ABCs, where we discuss every Bare Naked Ladies song from 7 to Y, because I was so infatuated by the Bare Naked Ladies that I had to listen to them every day. And I, and I had to find some way to talk with people about that love that I have of the band every every single day, if I could. And and joining me tonight is another BNL fanboy, Jeff. Hey, everyone. And BNL novice and great friend, Stefan. Hello. And rejoining us again this week is another great big fan of BNL, Catherine. Thank you for joining us, Catherine. Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Catherine. Oh, thank you. We don't have Aaron this week, but I'm going to see if he can send me his. I want to find out, Aaron, did you know what album this came off from? So I don't know if he's going to send me the answer. So if he doesn't, this is from Jeff. Born on a pirate ship. Born on a pirate. And I'm curious if Aaron's going to get this one. Mm-hmm. This one's tricky, I think. <laughs> <laughs> this is a born on a pirate ship. What? This is born on a pirate ship. What are you doing? He, he said it's... I don't do, know. Do you know how this album came to be named what it is? I, I see yes. Catherine nodding. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> it's an old adage that if you hold your tongue while saying born on a pirate ship it comes out as something completely different uh -huh. born on a pirate ship oh I didn't know that B&L having I, some fun with their audience I, um, I sound like I was born on a Portland ship <laughs> close very close <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, I'm right there I know Portland, it Portland Maine or Portland Oregon whichever <laughs> You know, it doesn't matter. They're both it, ports. <laughs> I know. Hey, either you're a Goonies fan or you're a Maine fan, I guess. <laughs> Isn't that where Goonies is from? Is Oregon something uh, like that? That's a good. That's a good question. I'll have to Google that. I don't that's know. what I was thinking. It was born on a pirate ship. I I immediately thought of One-Eyed Willie. Okay. <laughs> Maybe he was born on a pirate ship. You're trying to derail this train before it even leaves the station, <laughs> yes. aren't you? <laughs> I'm derailed. <laughs> I'm one of those push carts that are sideways on the side of the tracks. This captain is not going down with his ship. I am changing course. <laughs> so this is the second week in a row we get to talk about a song from Born on a Pirate Ship, which is great, 1996. Mm -hmm. So this album actually is full of eyes. I'm glad Aaron's not here because I can actually say this. There's actually, at least as far as I count, four eyes on this album. So we're going to be sticking with this album quite a bit in the next couple months. Anyone have a guess about who wrote this song, though? Oh, that's easy. Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. technically the John Lennon of the band. Right. Yes. Yeah, that is, that is accurate. <laughs> the John Yoko, I guess? Yoko wrote this one. Yoko? Because <laughs> I'm e. So yeah, this is Paige Duffy collaboration. The only one on this you can run. Yes. It's that's definitely a page song, without a doubt. There's yeah. <laughs> that's that's obvious. And you could you can hear the Duffy in this one musically. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I think page page Duffy's a pretty easy call on that. It is. I think even Aaron would have guessed that without knowing a lot of the, the history. He would have right. picked that. <sighs> um all 
right, so if you haven't heard this song before, here is a quick snippet. On August 1st, 1981, I cycled to Scott's house with the BB gun. We were almost 12, but we looked 13. He had baby blue eyes that I shot him between. One of the great things is that when Steven came to Maine with his trio in 2018, this is the song off this album that he did. He did one song off from each album, and this was the one off Born on a Pirate Ship that he did. Uh, it was a lot of fun. He, he doing Hearing this live is really good. Matter of fact, one of the appearances I'm going to have tonight is him playing it a couple nights later down in Albany, New York, with the Stephen Page trio. It's actually really cool to hear him doing it with them. I actually watched a live version of this uh, just a couple days ago, and it's amazing how good that sounded. Like, a lot of times you pull up a live video on YouTube, and you're getting, you know, sound issues or video issues because it's filmed by someone in the audience with their droid or whatever. But this, it, it sounded so good. This song works really well live. I, I would see if he was going to do one song off this album, it would be the, either this or Break Your Heart. Oh, wait, it's your right. I'm still here. Uh, my, ship uh, went, my ship just went off course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's really cool live. He also, the first week he did his live from home concerts, this was the song that he did during that first Live From Home. This is definitely a favorite of his. Yeah. So Aaron isn't with us. I don't know much about music, but I do know that Jim was playing the double bass on this song, both Arco and Pete's. He was as well playing the electric bass, Arco style, and he was playing the piano on this song. Oh, and he's also doing the percussion on this song. In terms of doing some kind of, I'm guessing it's the cowbell version, but he's written down for doing percussion. Wow. This song, Jim is all over this song. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like Jim was like, you know what? Andy's not here. I'm covering everything. I got it all. And he nailed it too. Musically, this song is, is fantastic. Uh-huh. And the mixing of this song, I really, really like. Oh, I like the like the flow on the pre-bridge. You can hear the sounds just literally going from one ear to the next. It's just this beautiful, it just works so well. I mean, throughout the whole song, the mixing is great, but that pre-chorus, when you can just hear it and then like the little piano build-up coming, oh, it's glorious. It's funny that you mentioned that because this is the song that when I used to listen to this album on the bus ride home from school, if my headphones were going, which happened often, um, I, could, I would know by listening to the song. <laughs> oh yeah nice <laughs> yeah this is a great stereo one one of the really cool things that happens <laughs> is that you have jim doing the electro arc bass that's what that and i'm gonna i don't have aaron here so i can't ask but i'm guessing that's what that really wonky is yeah that's it. Um, <laughs> right so he's got that going and i'll put a snippet of it in right here got that going on during the the beginning of it on the left ear but as soon as we get to the verse and the chorus the electric bass switches over to the right ear and he's playing a funky kind of background and i'll put that in here on august 1st 1981 i cycled to scott's house with the bb gun we were almost 12 but we looked 13 he had baby blue eyes that i shot him and it's so different. It's a completely different feel with what he's doing in these two different pieces. 
And I think it's cool. They're like, okay, we're going to make it sound like it's a separate instrument. We're going to separate it on different channels. This is going to be amazing. Well, and the shifts in the music are um, also very cool. I mean, there, there's easily three, I would say three and a half completely different thematics going on in this musically. I mean, the verse, even the pre-chorus uh, shifts, the chorus sounds completely different from where you might have thought it was going. And then the bridge just blows you away because that completely goes off to a different point. Um, and the bridge, I mean, I love this. I love the music in this song to begin with, but that bridge has got to be one of the most beautiful bridges they ever did. The harmonies, just the, the softness oh of it. It starts with just, that, just a real easy piano part with just Steve going and then the harmonies start kicking in and it just builds and builds and builds. And then it just drops off and you get drum. <laughs> like it's such, it's such a great moment. The love I put away Like games that children played Oh, and the building is, it's not even to the <laughs> final line. They build to the what is probably the most beautiful line in that chorus, laugh lines on her face. is just, and the way they sing it is just angelic. The laugh lines on your face. And when we get to the lyrics, I also say why I love that line so much, because I also love that line for what it is, too. But... Mm. But yeah, I mean, musically, I think that's probably the best line in the whole song of a, an amazing song. Uh, I'll show my, my hand pretty early here. Uh, mm -hmm. This is just like, you had actually said there were three. Of, I think there's four tonal shifts in this song in the, that you have for each verse, you have an A, B inside that verse. Right. So I said three and a half, technically. But okay. if I'm defending, <laughs> defending myself. Because I think because that there is that tonal shift at that in between the second half of the verse and the first half, and then you also have the chorus, which is a completely different feel, and then you have the bridge, which is a mm -hmm. totally left field feel. They're all over the place with this song, but it it blends so amazingly. Tyler's got some really cool drumming that's going on as well. Yes, <laughs> so he's he, he's he is like really hard on the drums. But then you have Jim doing this amazing, I didn't pick it up and hear it until I was doing the different channels piece, but you have him do this really cool piece with, I'm guessing it's a cowbell. He's not, it doesn't label it as such, but it's it's what it kind of sounds like. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll put a clip of that in right here. On the floor, engine running, closed garage door. Was the day the for sale sign arrived on the lawn? Two weeks later. It's amazing because once you hear all these pieces, you can't unhear them. Right. I've but actually got a little bit of a fever. Can I have a little more of that cowbell? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, I probably shouldn't say I have a fever during COVID season. <laughs> Catherine, your thoughts on the music of this? I'm really, I'm a really big fan of the harmonies, especially at the very beginning when Ed comes in at with the underlying harmony at, near the beginning of the song. I think it's really awesome, but just musically, it's just such a strong song. Um, and you see a ton of contributions on the song, even though, you know, this is when they were a four piece and for a very depressing song, it just has so many 
complexities and and you just want to listen to it over and over so you can pick each one of them out even though the material is not something you can necessarily listen over and over and over to <laughs> i can't wait till we get to the, no, to the yeah, lyrically this one's a tough yeah. one it's <laughs> Devin, your thoughts on the music and then i'll throw in some more thoughts i have oh good uh well <laughs> I know you guys sound really excited about this song. You like the variations. You get kind of giddy and like little schoolgirls when you're like, and then then the right ear kicks in and then the left ear. And I, I just hear it from both my ears and um, <laughs> it all kinds of kind of blends together. Uh, I don't know exactly uh, where the bridge kicks in and where the chorus kicks in. I don't know any of that stuff. But I do know that I do like it when they demonstrate a little bit of the consistency with the music. I think it's either the bridge or the chorus. I'm not sure which one it is. But it, it smooths out. It becomes less, less jumbled. There's like a consistency that goes through the entire song. And from my standpoint, I like consistency. Um, I don't know if it's any uh, disability that I have that <laughs> makes me want to <laughs> have consistency in my life. But I really like those moments. And I think that if, if the song is able to be coherent with that throughout, not in just snippets of it, I think it would be smoother in a way. And, uh, you know, I, I know that uh, Catherine was saying that everybody was, contributing and everybody has their moments where they're uh, they're contributing to the song that's awesome they can do that but not have the song be in like four distinct genres of of music i think you know keep it consistent keep it simple keep it keep it smooth keep it you know decide what do you want from the song and you can you can still tell that message uh, by having subtle changes within the main theme, uh, either slowing it down or putting kind of a little bit more of a heartbreak kind of tone to it and then upbeating it like they normally do. And that would, that would be my preference for things. But, I mean, I do value their artistic genius uh, with it all, how they're able to think about right ears, left ears, uh, and how to work it all together so that it blends together into one big musical masterpiece. It's, it's just it's baffling. I mean, I have a hard time rubbing my belly and petting my head. So <laughs> them, them able to, to do this, it's mind-blowing for me. It's great. I really like how they do that. And uh, I just brought up the lyrics and started reading those, which we're going to be getting into a little bit later. And... Um, <laughs> You know, I'm I'm surprised I have a head from it, like not exploding with everything. <laughs> but uh, you bring up a really good point, though, Stefan. That I I think the thing that you dislike about this song is one of the things that they were aiming for with this song, which is to give it that ominous, sinister feel. But also, they they don't want to just do that and kind of give this tone to the to the song. I think the reason they jump throughout this song because they, they are very good at blending a song and making it making it go sync fully in sync from one section to another. I feel like the reason in this song that they didn't do that was very programmatic and that they were like, you know what? If you jump 
genres, if you jump directions, it shifts people it, and it startles people and it really makes them pay attention, but it also really makes them feel awkward and uncomfortable. And I think that's the point of the song is to make people feel awkward and uncomfortable. I think they're doing a lot of color painting too, um, or, or lyric, lyrical color painting on this, because if, if you listen to where they do the tonal shifts, there's a very distinct, brilliant pattern in this one. And like the, um, uh, the staccato, um, that's always during a flashback. It's always during the time when all this stuff happened. Oh. Um, the nature provides for us a safety net. Like that that part is almost an introspective, like explaining this. The chorus is kind of where he got to where he is today, um, which is maybe an attempt to see something hopeful, maybe not, but just to, the, but, but that idea. Then the bridge is just the complacency of it. It's, it's where he is yeah. at this point. And yeah. so I do, yeah. I do think, I do think there's color painting because each of the uh, themes actually go along with what's being said at the time. I was going to bring that up, but say it in a different way. It seems like there's a, a number of different stories within this song, and it's like they they shift from one musical aspect to another with each story to kind of create a line, right? Differentiating the the, the stories from where they are today. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull us away from that just for a minute though, because it's a really good point. But that's gonna blend us really well into lyrics. And I there's a couple more musical things I really want to bring up that are really important. I think. Oh sure, sure, yeah. Okay, you're a pirate. Why don't you just commandeer my my ship here? One of the things I really want to point out is it's an undertone, and it is what's making I think in some ways not just the bass and the drums are giving this ominous tone. But at the very beginning, at the very end of this song, you have the ooze, which are very, very low on the register, very quiet, but they're also there and kind of give you this very sinister feel. And then at the very end, it's not even ooze, it's just moaning. Mm -hmm. And you almost get the feel like, and we'll talk about this more when we get to the topic of the song and the lyrics, but I think he's setting a mood there with that moaning of like here, you know, I'm not relieved. I'm not coming out of this in a better place. This is not even a tragedy because you don't start in a good place and go bad. Like if this is a song about discomfort, about not being happy about all of the angst in life. And then the last thing I wanted to say is that a really interesting thing that I kind of noticed halfway through all my listens, and then like it just became more apparent the more times I listened to it, is on that last time through the chorus, on the second to last line, Stephen drops out, and then you're left with just Jim. Yes, and... I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. that. You're, you're left, left with, with just a single Jim. single person. I did. Yeah, I did say in here too. I love the vocal changes they do at the end of that chorus. And it's I on the line it. that where he says the only things that they can't take, which is once again a they line. It's them speaking right. about this person, and then it comes back to only Steve. They they drop out, and it's just Steve, and we're left with all the the guilt that spirals in my way. Well, and Steve and gets the word pay alone too, which I like. For every yeah. step I have to pay, that's just Steve on the pay there, which I all like. I like the. Uh, 
uh, kind of the, the back and forth with the lyrics there uh, and the shift on that. Yeah. And- For every step I have to pay, the only thing that they can't take, the guilt that spirals in my way. And it's programmatic. I mean, you get the feeling when he's done the song that he's left alone. And going into the chorus, too, though, for the for the first and second chorus, I live with it. You've your full instrument. When you come in on the third one, even though the drums have just been going like uh, pounding, it actually stops into acapella for a brief, for a brief second. I live with it every day. And I, I love that little moment, too. Yeah. It's, it's a prime example of not just redoing your chorus. Like, okay, we've gotten through all this again. Here's the chorus again, but they're going to shift it up. And those shifts at the end, I think, are, are a really good uh, conclusion to the song. Yeah. Who mixed this album? Because I'm totally forgetting. But Kevin. Oh. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was with uh, the band in spirit. It's in the liner notes. Yes. <laughs> Michael Voyavoda. Um, who is the person who also mixed Gordon? Yes. Didn't he? For maybe you should drive, they went to Ben Mink and then they came back to Michael for this one. And didn't he do one of the post Steve albums too? Yep. The first album they came back with all in good time when they first came back. And I, they think they were, I, they were trying to set their new mood that was mixed by Michael. Okay. So it seems like when they want to restore, they, that's who they keep coming back to. I think I think some people misunderstand what this song is really about. Um, Stephen, I think, has a has an interesting handle on it, where it you, you know you were saying that it's kind of different stories. I think it's better than most people. I think most people get hung up on that first verse and they think that's what this song is about, but it's not. It, it is much deeper than that. Um, I mean, we're talking about a song that's about manslaughter, suicide, heartbreak, guilt. Like this is a. If you could have an emo song that sounded upbeat, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a marathon of heartbreaking moments. <laughs> it is. It was. It, the, is. it, it was the pumped it. up kicks of its day. Yep, our yesterdays are on the loop. So it's um, I'm just repeating lyrics here, but um, <laughs> I think but my favorite line in this, which true, really this is what the song is about. Song is about is. Nature provides for us a safety net. Whatever we do, we can't forget. So he's going over all these things that he remembers, that he's reliving. I mean, here's a man with PTSD for all the things, and depression and suicidality, for all the things that he's done wrong in his life, and he can't get out of it. He's stuck in it. Well, and going along with that, my my favorite couplet, in a a song of fantastic couplets, um, which is hard to do, first of all, when you're you're doing a song that has this much of a story, because it's a story-driven song, and, and you have so much that you need to say. It's hard to stick to those couplets the way he does. And he does it brilliantly in a, in a perfect cadence. But the, the, my favorite couplet has to be the laugh lines on your face, the life I won't embrace. Because I think that's, to me, that, that one just hits. Because he's basically, I think, looking at someone else who has laugh lines, who spent their life smiling. And he's saying, I don't have those. I haven't smiled once since this happened. And I won't yeah. embrace it. Like that's that 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 line. Every time I hear it, just like hits like a hammer. It's like depression. Did, did I bring down the? Did I bring down the mood? I'm sorry. I, I, I think the song. Did. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you hit it perfectly, Stefan. This song is about depression. Like it's yeah. it is a a introspective and very uh, powerful. I think powerful is a perfect word for this song. Look into depression and what it's like. Oh, absolutely. 
And in a, a Reddit, ask me anything, AMA, as the kids call it, Stephen actually said, this was six years ago, someone asked him, asked him about this is where it ends, war on drugs, everything old is new again, and I live with it any, every day. And they asked, does it help to write those songs during hard times or were they written afterwards? And he said, I tend to write best with some distance and perspective on tough times. In the toughest of times, I'm usually too preoccupied to, with what's happening in my life to do much, much writing. Mm. So I think it is a reflection. So do you think that the hard times in his life are self-created because he feels that he has the better songwriting capabilities once he's gone through the harder times? So he self-creates it? Hmm. I don't think he intentionally does, but I think that he is definitely, as we mentioned before, the tortured artist. He not only takes in all of the things that have gone wrong and feel horrible about his life, but he also notices it about everyone else that's around him and pulls up stories from all those. Like, for example, The Flag. I don't think that he is abusive, but he is obviously, if you've listened to that song, seen someone go through domestic assault and domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. He's obviously seen that and then pulled it in and done something with that. And I think he sees all of this misery that's around him and, and funnels it through him. Yeah, even him trying a, a suicide attempt uh, in the garage. So one thing I want to point out, I don't think this song is about Stephen, by the way. Um, first of all, August 1st, 1981, Stephen was actually 11 years old, not 12, turning thir- looking 13 like he says in the song. But also there's a quote from an interview that he had at one point. Um, I got this from Get Bare Naked, the, off the Bare Naked News from 2003. It actually did happen, said Steve. I heard a story from my, a friend of my grandmother's. It happened to their grandchild where they had mistakenly shot a friend of theirs playing. It was with a real gun, not a BB gun, but that just fit rhythmically. I remember always hearing that story when I was a kid, and it always made me think about the kinds of things that you can do in a split second that you regret the rest of your life. And I think he's like, that's what he decided to build this whole song around was that at the start. But then he's like, well, what other things do we then do that we regret for the rest of our lives that we then hold in? So we we have that first one with manslaughter, accidental manslaughter. We have the second one where he's trying to kill himself out of torture and pain. We have the third one where something romantically fell apart. Oh, see, I still, I, unless I'm told a different, I never interpreted the song that. I interpreted it as one, one common story of one individual. And the reason why I come up with that is I see, so we have this kid who goes to his friend's house and accidentally shoots him with a BB gun and kills him. And in the chorus, he says, even though he moved away. So that that's where I think so. Even though he moved away, you get to the second one where he steps back and says that he was he felt so guilty, he tried to commit suicide. That's the day the for sale sign went. So I feel like the for sale sign ties into the chorus. And so this is a kid yeah. who was so depressed then about what happened, that he tried to kill himself, his family moved away, to try and give him a new start, to try and, and help him fight this. It never worked. As the bridge says, he's still in a cold house. He never invites people over. But I've always interpreted this as a song of just one person's storyline. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. No, I think but, he took different things, but then made it into one person, a story about one person. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yes, you're saying. Yeah. By uh, the way, so what we're, if we're on the first line here, um, I'm sure you already, you already know this, but what do you know what the August 1st, 1981 was? The first Monday? Day of MTV. First day of MTV. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Steven, that was a nice throwaway there. Yeah, but that was a nice touch. <laughs> it was also like the birthday of like half the, not half the kids in my class, but like five kids in my graduating class in high school. <laughs> <laughs> they were all born the day MTV started. The day MTV aired. <laughs> what a legendary day. Yeah. <laughs> um, there somebody, was, things- somebody was listening to Video Killed the Radio Star the day that this kid's story killed his friend. That's weird. Oh. That wasn't a joke. I wasn't making a joke. But I just, <laughs> but that was the first song on MTV. That was the first song I played yeah. that day. But yeah, I just like, like he sells the song really strong right from the start with the story. You know, he sets it up with that, that insane rhyme, the 1981 BB gun. I see why he chose that, because it works so well. And then just, boom, you get to the fourth line, he had baby blue eyes that I shot between. Uh, he doesn't set you up properly for what he's about to tell you. And like you said, it jars you when you get to that line. Um, and then, boom, right into that kind of introspective. Nature provides a safety net. What is that safety net? What we do, we can't forget such a great opening verse all around beautiful three three great couplets setting up a story setting up kind of a little bit a bit of a twist that you're not ready for and then boom you're off into this chorus which sounds a little more joyful and lyrically isn't but structurally going into that is fantastic and this four minute song one minute full minute of which is just music by itself he tells Mm -hmm. a a full story that's amazing i keep on gravitating to uh the line like cars dumped in the lake mm-hmm. and I'm, i was thinking of that i'm like why would he why would how does that relate i'm like you don't think of cars that are dumped in the lake they're disappeared they're gone they're mm. out of sight out of mind nobody knows that they're there and uh that fits right into the depression of it all you know it's like the life i won't embrace uh the cold house i won't leave and the guess I don't, I won't receive. That's where I came up with the whole depression thing, because that's um, if you're depressed, you don't want to, you don't want to leave, and you don't want people over, you don't want to be pitied, mm-hmm. you don't want the company, and you are like a car dumped in the lake. You feel forgotten, and you feel like nobody can see you, and that's uh, it's pretty amazing. I agree. I wish they could have put in a way to. Learn how to forgive yourself in there, but they just and the- yeah, I think that's the saddest thing about the song is that he can't. You know that one incident that happened as a child and the results of that. I feel like he's basically saying I've, I never could live a normal life. I couldn't love. I couldn't hurt. Yeah. I couldn't play those games. You know, I never laughed. I never smiled. Like I said, I always come back to that line to me because it almost implies that he's never smiled since that incident. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just the life he won't embrace and the cold house I won't leave, the guest I won't receive. That that one event that happened as a child dictated the rest of his life. Yeah. Yep. I'm glad you said that, Jeff, because now, now I read The Love I Put Away, and I was trying to find a context for that, but you kind of brought it to light for me, in which not necessarily the, the love that he put away, but the caring that he put away for other people And it was such a serious thing that happened that he refused to care about someone else the way he cared about Scott because of what had happened. And that resonates with me. I think even more so with that love line is that he doesn't see himself as lovable. Like he, like he's capable of accepting or, or being loved. And so he does end up pushing even everyone away and, and not accepting love from other people because of that. 
Yeah, you probably put that love on the shelf that you have open up there, Tracy, that you were showing <laughs> earlier. It's probably where it is, yeah. up there. <laughs> no, no, Jeff, you did awesome, even like the games that children play. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot more sense to me now that you said that. Um, yeah, that he probably could never play those games as a, yeah. As a child. He, yeah, that's it. It's done. It, it's right. almost as though that was the end of his childhood. Completely. I feel like he didn't play the games because he didn't feel like he deserved it. You know, I took someone's <clears> life. I don't deserve to play. I, I took those chances away from somebody else, so I don't deserve those chances myself. No kid should ever have to go through an experience like that. And that's very, it, it, it's not like it's a, a childhood thing. It's a, a very, very adult, serious thing that would happen. And I could see how that would strip away any joy or any of that um, desire to want to continue on in that fashion. If you experience, yeah. I mean, we're talking about a person that's not just scarred by this. They are permanently yes. disfigured emotionally by this experience. They're changed forever. It, yeah. it changed their DNA almost. It's a very sad, very sad topic, which is funny. Be well, not funny, but it's it's interesting because then they put it into this very. I don't want to say upbeat, but this very fast beat song. But isn't that a very mid-90s way to address a topic like this? It, I mean, you look at what was popular during that time, and the hard topics like this were really being addressed in kind of a hard rocking or not exactly like ballad style way. Right. Like Jeremy. Yeah. But in, yeah. Yeah, Jeremy, Jamie's got a gun. Runaway like, train. Yeah, and I would, I would easily put this song up there on level with those songs. Like I think that when, and when it comes to setting the tone, telling the story, and making this listener feel the way that that the person in the song feels, they did that perfectly. Lyrically, yeah, uh, absolutely. Oh yeah, like as soon as you listen to the lyrics, it's like, oh, oh, that one hit me right there, right in the feels. Mm -hmm. Oh. <laughs> If the first verse doesn't get you, the second one will. Oh, yeah. Or the chorus. Or the... Like, there's so many zingers throughout the song that are just... Oh, man. <laughs> if you're really invested in the song, this this one... This one strikes. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Well, and that's why when they hit the bridge and they change it so significantly oh, yeah. to this very beautific sound, but very sad meaning... Like, that's the last turn. If you're not crying by that point, like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. Like, this is a, this <laughs> song will, will hit you. Well, if you're not crying, perhaps you don't under can't hear the lyrics. And that's, that's, my, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's the way it is with me. I've always had a hard time being able to understand lyrics from any, <laughs> from any song. So <laughs> that's always been a challenge. So I actually, I have to read them. In order to be like, oh, that's what they say, you know. <laughs> so, and it makes there are times in this song where it's mixed. So, it, it, depending on what you're listening with, it is hard to hear the lyrics at times. Yeah, this is one of those songs that work best with headphones. Yes. Yeah, like like I was saying. I mean, um, knowing that which headphone was broken because of the the way it's mixed here too, and. Even that, I think, was was important, the fact that there is so much use of the left and right channels, because it really absorbs you, too. I mean, you're just absorbed in this one. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Get your whole brain working. Yeah. Yeah. 
I used to. Oh, I, I def. Oh, go. oh, go ahead, Catherine. No, you go ahead. No, I'm. I'm. It's not relevant. <laughs> <laughs> no, it always is. Everybody's contributions are welcome things. and relevant. Not this time. Go ahead. <laughs> Can you tell I work with college students? <laughs> um, so I used to listen to this song when I was, as I mentioned, on my bus ride home from school. I had an hour-long bus ride. Wow. Every single day mm-hmm. um, home from school. And it was pretty late in the day. Um, we're talking like 4.30. And if it's midwinter in Rochester, New York at 4.30, not only is it most likely snowing, it's horribly dark. Yeah. And then this song comes on and oh my gosh, like the teenage oh. emo feels. My goodness. Oh, man. Wow. Wow, <laughs> you sold that imagery too. <laughs> <laughs> You're you looking out see- the bus window and it's just... Sitting on a dark bus on a cold day in New York, and you're listening to this song with headphones on. And there's like six inches of lake effect snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then you wow, listen an to this. You got through this whole album every day, didn't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Provided my headphones weren't broken. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, you, Stefan, you were bringing up a really good point about the bridge. And I want to go back to that real quick. Does anyone know what the song on this album is that follows this? Oh, I have to look it up. I, I just listened to Pirate Ship the other day. It is the most interesting song. It is the complete opposite of what this song is. That's this album, Tracy. <laughs> that's I think this, that's one of those times where it works. And in in that's a complete opposite. So this song is about a person that gets stuck in his past guilt constantly can't break away from it to the point of suicidality and depression. Is it fall? Is it fall after this? No. Oh, oh old apartment. <laughs> yeah. Oh. This guy's in yeah. his old house, still stuck in his old house because the, the person that he's with has moved away. He is still like sequestering himself in this place without having friends. Old apartment. This is the guy that goes back to visit the old apartment. He's in a loving relationship. Mm. He's still happy. He should be happy where he is. But he can't be happy because he's still stuck in the past, not of bad things, but of good things. And he goes back to visit the old apartment. So almost. Matt, I'm just now wondering, now that I'm really looking at the track list, though, I'm wondering how Catherine even held up on those bus rides because I just realized. This- <laughs> I wonder that, too. I, I just realized the 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 quadruple on this one is you go from, uh, not really thinking about it, you have This Is Where It Ends, When I Fall. I live with it every day, and then the old apartment. It's a that's a depressing quad. Quad <laughs> <laughs> of they songs there. A depressing time in their life right now, and I think this album proves it. Yeah, right. Thank goodness she didn't have razor blades in her purse. <laughs> it, it was a hard. I mean, sixteen is a bad age as it is, so this really helped. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see how it would be cathartic too. I mean, I mean, I've listened to a lot of the tracks on this one when I was in a bad mood. I've listened to "Break Your Heart" during breakups, you know, um, <laughs> because I, I think there's. And I also listened to "One More Minute" by Weird Al Yankovic through breakups, so I like to mix it up a little bit. 
I mean, I think there's something cathartic about this, you know, the emotional songs in this one, like When I Fall or I Live With Them Every Day. I completely stopped your point. I'm sorry, Tracy. I just looked at that, that up and I was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, that's, that but was yeah, where it was. Yeah, someone living in the past for it, yeah. It's funny how they have those back to back and they're completely different. Now, a really interesting coincidence also happened this week. I was I listened to the song 10 times in a row and I'm like, you know what? I need that palate cleanser. I need to get something to change a little bit so I can go back and hear something new. And the next song that just came up on my iPad <clears throat> was Song for the Dump by Ben Folds 5. <laughs> now, the reason is the wonderful coincidence, not just because they toured with Ben Folds, it is like this song, but sung by the person on the opposite end of that relationship. Because the person in this song dumps the other person because they don't feel like they're capable of love. Then you have song for the dump where the person's angry because they just got dumped and shoved out of this person's life for what seems like no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a coincidence. Right. <laughs> All right. So trouble with Tracy this week. What's the trouble with Tracy? He's got problems with this song. What's the trouble with Tracy? I'm curious. I'm really curious about this trouble with Tracy. Trouble with Tracy is I don't have any troubles with this song. Oh, I thought it was hemorrhoids. <laughs> I asked you not to bring that up with everyone. Here. He's been sitting pretty calmly this entire interview. I think they're they're all right today. The sweat, you can tell. <laughs> why I'm sweating so hard. <laughs> I'm stuck to the couch, actually. <laughs> I don't have the fan on. I have no AC. What? It's like a pleather couch. I'm not wearing a oh, shirt. Oh, wow. And I'm I think st- I'm going to have to drive over there and like pry you off there. <laughs> you might have to. I don't know which one's, what you're, what's worse, your current situation or Cat's bus ride. <laughs> <laughs> so since there's no trouble with Tracy this week, I'm going to hand it over to you, Jeff. To do our ratings. All right. So the rankings today. Um, oh, I was going to do that one. I won't do that one. <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to do it. I, you gave me the power. I'm going to do it just because it's my favorite line. It's going to be a, a ranking of zero to five laugh lines. You oh. have the power. <laughs> just because I love that line so much. <laughs> I'm paying tribute to that line. <laughs> I, I think we need that tonight. Yeah, right. <laughs> so who's going first, Jeff? Uh, let's start it off tonight with Kat. 4.3 laugh lines. Nice. Or she gets her two. That's a, that's a strong respect, respectable start right there. You know, I had not listened to it much because I listened to it so much in high school. <laughs> so... <laughs> Like when I had to listen to it again, I was blown away at just how musically strong it is and lyrically strong it is. And it just is one of, I think, one of their best songs. Yeah. Nice. All right. I will mix it up. I will go next and then toss it around to someone else just to go off that. It's not to show my cards, but this is easily one of my favorite Bare Naked Ladies songs. Um, and I'm not a huge fan, uh, and I don't know if I've said it publicly on the show. Tracy and I have talked about it. I'm not a huge, huge fan overall of Pirate Ship. It's not my favorite PL album. There's a lot of stuff I like on there. There's stuff I don't really enjoy as much um, compared to a lot of other albums where it's, you know, whole album glory. Um, that said, this is not just my probably my favorite song on the album next to Break Your Heart, but it's one of my favorite PL songs of all time. This does everything I like a song to do. 
as, as a songwriter and someone who just loves music that, that gut kicks you in that way. It's beautifully sung by everybody, by Steve, the Harms, uh, by Ed are fantastic. Musically, I love the tonal shifts that go through, the instrumentations, the mix of it. It's a story song, and I'm always a sucker for a good story song. But just, damn, this song is is, is a really good depiction of what someone who did one, one accident in his childhood, one accident at almost 13 years old, pretty much ruined his life because he just couldn't overcome it. And he tells that so well and, and just... You know, I, I love this song. There are a few others that I like more than it for different reasons. Yeah, so I can't give it the top rankings. I may change my ranking at the end of the year, but I'm going to give this one a 4.8. Nice. And Stefan is going to go next. All right. Well, I've been trying to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you want me to go and then you can come back to you while you think yeah, of it? And Tracy yeah, is going to go next. I think that would be good. All right. I'll finish it so, up. So uh, I I love this song. As I said before, there is no trouble, Tracy, with this song. It, the funny thing is, it was never on my playlist. But every time I listened to this song this week, it climbed the charts with me. I I had a number I was starting with that was kind of mid because it it was never on my playlist. Every single time I listened to it, something new would pop up. Something made me like it even more. To the point of even though it's without kevin even though it's without andy jim is filling in all of those spots absolutely perfectly i don't feel there are any ways to improve upon this song and if the kids aren't in the car i'm gonna have to listen to this and sing this song every time just because i forgot how much i love this song and I love the dark tone. I love the dark story that's in it. I love the fact that they're talking about the fact that, yeah, we get stuck in, with not forgiving ourselves for these things. And if we do that, then there, there was a wonderful story that I read at one point where that's what hell is. Mm-hmm. Hell is us not forgiving ourselves. I believe that's actually the premise in, in the TV show Lucifer is that we create our own hell because we are not allowed to accept that we're lovable people and that we can help, that we can love ourselves and that others can love us. And so we bring our own hell to ourselves. Mm -hmm. I love that concept. And this is a perfect point of that in the song. Um, So for those reasons, this is up. This is a five. Nice. It's a five song. Well, we didn't even, like I said, I, I might change this down the road, but yeah, we didn't mention that line too, but like you said with the hell line, uh, another great ref- imagery is everyone falls through the funnel, climbing the funnel it makes, but I'm staying here. I'm stuck here. Like just every moment of this song just is glorious. I'm already thinking about changing my ranking on it. But anyway, let's go to Stefan. <laughs> well, I mean, I agree with Tracy on a number of, of things, what they just said, and that I've, you know, I started off with, this is the first time I've heard the song. Don't judge me. And um, the show. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't like things that are. All, <laughs> I usually don't like songs that are all over the place. Then I read the lyrics, and then talking with you guys, and noting that there is such a variation and and just musical genius that occurs within the song that are, are it's easily overlooked when you're just hearing it from a layman's standpoint. I, I definitely have changed my point of view when it comes to this, and um, I find it effect on people. Yeah, and BNL has that, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I mean, they they pack every song with just um, sometimes it's heavy stuff, but it's really 
relevant. It's got meat, you know? Where's the beef? It's right here. It, it's just good music. And is it one of my favorites? I'm going to have to listen to it more in order to really be able to break it down, I think. And I just heard the live, uh, that live um, rare version. I haven't heard the actual recording yet. Um, so mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that I'm going to have to do is, is listen to that and then be able to uh, really make a, a sound judgment on it. But right now, gosh, how do I follow up with a five? Dear Lord. <laughs> you know, I, I think musically and lyrically, I, I think it's definitely like a 4.2 for me. And that's considering that you heard the rare early. That, yeah, I think I think his vote to his rating is going to change when he listens to the album version. Yeah, honestly. we'll come back to it again later on, Stefan, when we talk again, because I think you're going to, oh. one of the you're going to notice is that that rare version is so different than the acoustic version that was live that they did before they released this album. Man. So that's one of the appearances for this week is, is a 1994 version of this that they did in concert, but it was acoustic. Um, and uh. it's, it's really weird because it's instead of having that electric guitar, the electric bass, um, it was recorded in New York City in, in 94, and it's actually uh, on, on February 9th, 1994 my wife will understand why that's important um so yeah i think this is a a very different version of the song so listen to the the album version and then let us know what you think of that one yeah not now but <laughs> i think that'd be great you know and um i mean the only drawback to that is having to speak with you again but um uh, i'll definitely listen to the song Oh snap! Last that was a couple. I just edited that week about being in the shade about about shaky voices <laughs> in the shade. Mm -hmm. and yeah, that, yeah. That that comes out as we record this. That comes out tomorrow. But yeah, you just threw some shade at me there, buddy. <laughs> no, I love you. You know that we've been friends for a long time. You know, since we were twelve. I know you love me. Oh, that one's I know you love me. But you know what I love? I love it loud. Do you? <laughs> you gotta stop sneaking these in before oh, the appearance. Wow. This is driving me up. This is messing with my world, man. <laughs> so, Tracy, should we speak to your wife in regards to you like it loud? He set me up. I had to take that. <laughs> no, I know. He did. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to talk about how every the bass on this song was loud and the drums were loud. I was like, oh, I got to take you, this that was, that was improv. That was good. That, that was very admirable. You didn't miss a beat on that. <laughs> oh, man. But in that note, Tyler didn't miss a beat on the song, so that's perfect. No, he didn't. Um, so, yeah, the two versions I have. Neither did Kevin. Are the special, uh, the rare version from the live concert, and then Stephen Page's live live version of this. Both of them in New York, interesting, interestingly enough. Yeah, definitely check those out because this song sounds fantastic live. Yeah, it's so different, and I, and I think that's what's great about it is it's you're not hearing it exactly the same way that you hear it a million times. You're hearing it in completely different text, and is wonderful. It, it, now, you're still talking about I Like It Loud, right? 
Or are you talking about something no. else? <laughs> <laughs> we moved on. <laughs> yeah, we moved on again. We do, ten, we do separate episodes for new songs. Usually. Oh, usually. Okay. Sometimes we do two songs in a night. Catherine, thank you for joining us. Where thank can you, people Catherine? read more about you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, where are you? At home taking care of my kids. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> All the time. Are the pop. Every day. <laughs> here, here, here. <laughs> well, people can find me at at Cat Cornetta on Twitter. That's the best place to <laughs> well, look. Well, it's sportsgirlcat.com, correct? That's what I went with the. Yes, you know. Now that nice. it's up and running again. Yes. And you have a wonderful article coming out in the near future that that I know of. So I'm I'm looking forward to people reading that. Yes. Someday. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Thank you, Kat. Thank you for having me. And thank you all, the rest of you, for joining us as well. That was fun. Thanks, that was fun. Don't forget, no regrets. Except maybe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.